For she said, I will go after my lovers who give me bread and my water and my wool and my flax and my oil and my drink. She's saying, my husband's provision is not enough. I want more. I'm looking for more. I, I, I can't live like this anymore. Here it comes, brand new day. But I don't know what will come my way. Rise or fall, your love will see me through it all. One opportunity and challenge like your word directs me to what's right and spurs me on right through the fight. Promise of new life, your word, oh God, your word to me, making me all that I need to be. Your word, oh God, means the world to me, the world to me. Good evening, everyone. My name is John McKenzie, and you're listening to A Word with God. I'd encourage everyone to open up their Bibles, please, to Hosea chapter 2. Uh, while we go through God's word together. Hey, John. John, yes, sir. John, like, do you ever have a bad attitude? Like, I mean, I, I remember a bit like, like today, I'm really ticked off at people. Like, there's some people that are really bugging me, and I just really have a bad attitude. And, like, do you find it really hard to, like, to really kind of like, like when you're betrayed to have a good attitude? No, not at all. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Yes, I do. Of course I do. Yeah, that, that's a really hard thing to do. Yeah. Well, that's what today is about, is, is keeping a loving heart in the middle of betrayal. That's, you're right, that is just incredibly hard. It is. You know what? And yeah, I had a question for you, Stan. A little off topic, but when, when we're talking about um, reading the Bible and getting, getting the Word open here while, while we're going through this message, you keep saying to people, you know, get it out, and you actually go verse by verse by verse through the message. Why do you do that instead of, I've heard other people kind of just saying, here's a verse, we're going to talk about that verse. Well, it's... It's precluded on, and that God is intelligent, and God has a purpose in what He's writing. And it says all Scripture is God breathed, and so I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get a letter from you, and I wouldn't write a line in this paragraph and a line in that paragraph, and then then put it with a another line from a letter you wrote me six months ago, because like it wouldn't make sense, right? Yeah. And so context is king. I want context. And I want to know, what is it that God is bringing to me, or this, this writer that God has inspired? I need to know what he's saying, and I need to understand the flow of what he's saying so that I get the whole big picture. And we really believe in the inspiration of God's Word, that it's inspired, that it's infallible, it's Holy Scripture, and that there's a purpose behind it. In fact, God has said that he's bless his word and empower his word as it goes out. It's going to be sharp, like a sword that's able to cut apart all the crap in life. And if that's going to happen, then I need to study it in a way to understand the whole. Hmm. So that's kind of why we do what we do. Cool. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so everyone, if you can uh, get get your Bibles open to Hosea chapter 2. And again, we're going to be going through that today and, and really trying to get some impact from that, uh, from that chapter. And uh, so let's get ready to go. Awesome. for the Word of God to speak is to have the Word of God open or hidden in your heart. So unless you have Hosea memorized, turn with me to chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Hosea chapter 2. 
We ended at 2-1 last week, and we're picking up on 2-2. Last week, the main thrust, the main point that he was really getting across to us is that divorce is a really good picture of what it's like when there's relational tear between God and myself. When I am disobedient, when I am, when I am not in relational harmony, unity with God, there is a tear that pains God's heart because God loves me. And so all throughout Hosea, God is the husband. And God's not a messed up husband. I'm a messed up husband. There's lots of you. I know you well enough that you're messed up husbands too. And you do the wrong things at the wrong times. And you sometimes say the wrong things or you don't do the right things. But God is never like that. God is not a messed up husband. He's a good husband who knows what his bride, what his wife needs, what's good for her, what's good for them. And he doesn't make mistakes. So as a husband, when you're reading this and you're going, like, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I could make, say those things and do those things. And, and just like, I, I think I, I would fail at this. And that's the point. So from a husband's viewpoint, it's like, how do I have a little manual here? How do I connect with my wife? How do I rebuild? If things are falling apart and everybody's relationship falls apart, to some degree at some times. And so as a wife, you're looking at how, how, do I, how do I respond? As a husband, how do I respond? God is the groom. He is the husband. Israel is the wife. The children are the individuals who make up Israel within the household. So that's a little bit different. So that gives you some keys as you're reading through. Children, that's the individuals in the nation. The wife, that's Israel as a nation, kind of corporate Israel, and God is the husband. This week, we're looking at maintaining a loving heart through the pain of betrayal. I mean, God does this so good. His heart is a loving heart. He doesn't, not like you and I who get ticked. If Dwight and I, we, you know, we're out in the parking lot and my car slides or maybe my big truck slides and I go into the back end of his car, yeah, but there's a part of you that goes, why did he do that? Couldn't he just been good? Especially if I was just like hitting the gas and trying to do, ever do that as a kid? And my dad's furry, furry, Fury 3, it's like a boat that you can land an, air, land an aircraft on. And I was kind of like, listening, I think I was leading, listening to Beatles music, and maybe I was like 17. And I just kind of tapping my foot, and my foot slipped, and it hit the gas when I was tapping my foot on an icy. You know those Fury 3s can spin around really good? And, and they really go in the ditch well, too. You've got to get a farmer up in the middle of the night to pull you out. But good farmers, I love farmers. They've saved my bacon more than once we're not like God. God's an example. It's a picture of how we're to react, and his heart is uh, loving, even in the midst of betrayal. Five top reasons, five top buttons that people get divorced, okay? I'm not putting them in any order because there's a lot of disagreement what number one and what number two is. Number one is, is infidelity. It's, it's right up there with, I think it's not, see, Dave Ramsey would disagree with that. Infidelity is growing with women as much as men. It used to be men were the, kind of the larger group of perpetrators of infidelity, but you ladies are catching up. Not a good thing to catch up in. It's on the upswing. Number two, which Dave Ramsey has as number one, is, is financial pressures. 
financial conflicts. What, what, what about you? Can you? Are you more calm and serene in the middle of financial pressure, or are you kind of a little bit strung out? Are you like me? I'm strung out. When things get financially, I'm probably not as easy to get along with as when things are going smooth. Although I've never had it smooth to know. <laughs> He's strung out. Okay, his wife is answering for him. Um, financial pressures, stress, addictions, pain management of life, whether it is over the counter or under the counter or growing in your backyard. Addictions, pain management. We're talking soul pain, heart, not, not pain. Well, it can start with body pain, but we're talking soul pain management. Abuse. Spousal abuse, child abuse, any number of abuse situations. Fifth, drift. Drift. I, I love fishing. I was out one afternoon at the end of Turkey Point, and uh, in a boat, and um, and you go out around the Potahawk, and and you go out around, and and there's some really cool salmon fishing just out out past there. It's a long ways out, and uh, my friend and I were out in in his boat, and uh, and I had a can of Coke, and we had the we were you know the engine on really low, and we were we were uh, trawling, and uh, I don't know between the two of us we fell fell asleep, and you know what you can go a long ways when you fall asleep, and you don't know what's going on out there, and all of a sudden we didn't realize we were in the shipping lane. <laughs> it was still a long ways off, but you, all of a sudden you get this, and that wakes you up really quickly. Drift can take you a long ways when you don't know that you're drifting, and. Um, Neglect is really, it's apathy. It's like the husband uh, who is asked if he's disengaged or if he was apathetic, and he says, I don't know and I don't care. So we have this picture. God's using this picture, and we're going to talk about God in Israel. We're going to talk about God and our relationship with the church, and we're going to talk about our relationship as husbands and wives, and so we're going to be making some application all the way through. Father, as Darren has prayed, this is your time. This is your word, and you've promised to honor it. You've, honored, you've promised to do some great things through your word, to speak to our hearts, to change our thinking, to, to infiltrate our lives. And so today, Father, we ask that you would do those things. Would none but the spirit of the living God be active and moving here today? For you are welcomed, and you are free. In other words, that song, Word of God, speak. Amen. God loves you enough to expose your sin. That's the first point, verses 2 to 5. God loves you enough to expose your sin. We don't always feel like that when sin is exposed. When sin is exposed, it's kind of like pulling a scab off, and, and scabs aren't... I, 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 these people that just grab the scab and rip... Amaze me, because I mean, I'm I'm the very slow, lift it, gentle kind of. And just, just people just go, oh. Um, I, it, when I was not this time, the time before, when I was in for for an operation, I had this nurse. I just I never had ran into catheters before, and I said, like, how? So how do you do it? We kind of do it like this, and you kind of go, oh, okay. Well. God loves you enough to expose your sin. 
and to get your attention, contend with, strive with. It, it's the idea of, of to express or, to, or to, to press back against her actions. Contend with your mother. Remember, the children are the individuals within Israel. He's saying as individuals contend, push back against what your mother, what the nation is doing here. Contend with your mother, contend. For because she, that's Israel, is, is not my wife. We're, the relationship is broken down here. And I am not her husband. And, and let her put away, turn aside from, cease and desist. We were going, Claire and I, <laughs> out, in, uh, out in Alberta, and we were talking. I don't know what we were talking about, but we were And it's just this dude in the middle of the road, kind of waving his hands like that. I mean, that's kind of stupid. Until we realized that it was an RCMP that was cease and desist driving so fast. It was an interesting excursion. Um, that's what he wants here. Let her put away, let her cease, let her desist her harlotry, looking to other gods from her face, and her adultery from between her breasts. It's very graphic there. Or, unless this happens, this putting away of her unfaithfulness, I will strip her naked and expose, means to exhibit her, is on the day when she was born. Yahweh will let the natural consequences catch up with her. He's going to stop cleaning the mess up behind her. He's going to stop getting it in the middle and protect. He's going to allow the consequences to come in and affect her and her decisions. I will also, in addition, make her like a wilderness. Make her like a desert land and slay her with thirst. He's going to stop providing for her verse 4 also it's like is more of this like God's got an agenda here it's a pretty clear agenda it's well thought out how he's going to get the attention of his people back also I will have no compassion no mercy it means to love dearly on her children these are like the illegitimate children the non Yahweh followers why why will why will God this God of love have no compassion well he's going to answer it because they are children of harlotry. Their spiritual parentage was born out of a nation connecting with the, the, okay, the, the Baals or Baals. They've become Baal worshipers, not Yahweh worshipers. Jesus in his day said it like this, you're of your father the devil. Did that get them riled up? They got kind of riled up about that. Because they all, we're not that. We're, we're part of this family. We're not part of that family. And Jesus said, well, No. Your actions say otherwise. They had this violent reaction. They believed they could sleep around spiritually and Yahweh would just accept it. If you're in the infidelity thing, if that happens in your relationship, you need to hit it head on, up front, eyes wide open, and not bury it. Not pretend it's not happening. Not walk away from it. You need to be honest. Truth in love is what we've been learning as a church. Truth in love. Four, causal. Why did this happen? Why, 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 did, they say this? why did he say this? Four, their mother has played the harlot. She who conceived them has acted shamefully. It means to be acting confusion. Ever acted in confusion? 
Wake me up early enough in the morning. There's only one thing really I want to get up at 5 in the morning for, and that's fishing. That's the only good reason to get up at 5 in the morning. In fact, I was going to bed after 5 this morning, but I mean, it was, I mean that's, just not, that's just not my good time. For their mothers played the harlot. She who conceived them has acted confused, shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers who give me bread and my water and my wool and my flax and my oil and my drink. She's saying my husband's provision is not enough. I want more. I'm looking for more. I, I, I can't live like this anymore. Many who follow Jesus fall into the trap of wanting more. Scripture calls us to be content. Paul says that godliness, acting like our Heavenly Father, and contentment are a great gain. What are the mores in marriage? Okay, in my office in the last couple of years, more security, more understanding from the other person, uh, more sex, that comes up, more stuff, there's not enough stuff in our house, more romance, more communication, more. Godliness plus contentment is a great gain. Caveat, there are some things that, yes, you should have more of in your relationship, more communication, more... Yes, that's true. But it's when that becomes the center, the focus, the draw. i got to have more of this thing. I love what C.S. Lewis says so many times. The thing that we want so much so consumes us and enwraps us that we miss God's provision right before our eyes. Well, areas that the North American church is looking for more than what God has promised. Number one, financial blessing. Avoiding the pain in life, blessing of health and healing. And in, Jesus said, in this world you will have sorrow, but take heart, for I've overcome the world. The world is not a nice place. It's a nasty place and people get sick. And people have financial reversals, good people. Sometimes God uses those things, and he uses that to draw us back to him, to open our eyes. To draw us. But, but the fascination that the North American church, not in Columbia, they're not into getting more. They're in finding Jesus and holding on close to him. Number two, an easy way to know God's will. Give me a list. I want a list of things. that I mean, I mean I'm keeping God's... Just, just make life easy. I don't want to have to do this Holy Spirit, figure it out, pray and fast. Are you kidding? I want the Happy Meal, and I want it now. And then I go through. It's like 10 minutes. I mean, it's out. I was meeting somebody, and it's like, I mean, in McDonald's, 10 minutes. And she comes to the window, and she goes like, well, that'll be about 15 more minutes. I'm going, this is drive through It's fast. It's supposed to be fast. I haven't got time for this. An easy way to know God's will. Thirdly, having Jesus and being accepted by the world. No conflict with other people. They're like, I want to be a Jesus follower, but I don't want anybody to hassle me about it. Can we find a way to do that? Can we just find a way just to all get along and not get anybody riled up so we'll just kind of live for Jesus out of the back pocket? Jesus said they hated me. Why do you wonder they're going to hate you? Finally, following Jesus while still placing myself first. 
This is the rich young ruler thing. How can I be your follower? How can I follow, sell everything you have? Oh, by the way, I've got no house, no place to lay my head down. And, and it doesn't seem as funny. Dan brought this up the other night. Jesus didn't take Dave Ramsey's course. Uh, he had a whole different agenda and a whole different thing was going on, and we understand that. And the rich young ruler is kind of like, no prime rib. Uh, what are we going to do here? Um, well, Jesus said, deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. B, God loves you enough to let you go through emotional pain, verses 6 to 8. God loves you enough to let you go through emotional pain. Therefore, because these things are true, because the nation looked to other gods to supply their needs, they, they followed the, the whole sexual thing that it became the center of their life. Remember, we talked about that last week, how prostitution and all that, it was part of their worship plan. Uh, not a good plan. Not a God-centered plan. Behold, I will hedge up her way. I'll build fences. My grandfather's had this saying, Tom, good fences make good neighbors. My cows are in your field. That's not a good thing. I remember one Sunday morning, I was just getting ready to go to church, and I had a, a whole lot of cattle in a guy's cornfield. He was not happy, Tom. It was, you know, mid-June or so. I don't understand it. It wasn't a big deal to me. But the electric fence had somehow broken down, and the, my cows were in his corn, and he didn't like that. God's going to make a fence. He's going to hedge her away. He's going to try and get her to go in a direction. And I will build a wall. Not only am I going to hedge her away, you can get through a hedge. Ever done that, Jesse? Crawled through a hedge in a spot. There was kind of a little bit of a gap gotten through. Where, okay, you can get through that. Brick wall 12 foot high. Probably not. Uh, in Jamaica, when I was in Jamaica, they have uh, the walls are are like probably about eight, nine foot high, but they got glass and but do you ever see that thorn? They got glass embedded right in the top of the wall. You're not going over that puppy. That would just not be a, a fun thing to do. I will build a wall against her. Well, why are you doing this, God? So that purpose. He's gonna answer that. She cannot find her paths, her acquired, her acquired, her desired way of living. She can't go down that path. She will pursue her lovers, but she will not overtake them. It's like a race, and, the, and you're getting further and further behind, and the rest of the pack is getting further and further away, and her desire will be to catch up with her lovers, but she can't get there. It won't satisfy. She can't. God's goal is that she would not find what she was looking for in her lovers. Then, when she is found that what she's looking for, when she's not found what she's looking for, when it's past her and she can't catch up, she will say, I will go back to my first husband. For it was better for me then than now. The end of confusion. Uh, return to sanity. She's putting things back together again. She's coming back. Why did she do this? Do you ever ask that of people? Why did they do that? They will make decisions and actions, and you look at what their choices are, and you go, how could they have done that? How could he have done that? I used to listen to Dr. Laura a lot when I was in the truck, and I just I love that line. Like, how could you do that? She would be, like, incredulous that somebody would pitch a 10, 15-year relationship for five minutes. 
do that. Four, because she does not know that it was I who gave her the grain, the new wine and the oil, and lavished on her silver and gold, which they, that's the people, used for Baal. She thought it was coming from another direction, but ultimately God was the provider. Her husband was the provider of these things. Ultimately, God is the provider of all things, even to those who believe that the source lay somewhere else. Sanity only returns when you can embrace that. Well, Stan, thanks a lot for that message so far that we're going through and looking for the continuation of it next week. Um, question for you. Okay, so last week's message was looking at the relationship tear of divorce, and then this week's message looks at maintaining a loving heart through betrayal. Mm-hmm. Is, do I have that sort of straight so far? Yeah, yeah, you do. Okay. Now, what what I've got from this book so far is that there's a there's a double duty that's going on here that God's giving to us. One is our relationship with God, and then our relationship with a spouse. It, does it, it sounds like it goes further than that, though, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it, it really gives us the whole relational aspect. I mean, whether it's at work, whether it's other people in the family, it gives us a paradigm as here's how God works with us, and then here's how we are to be working with each other. And, um, and that tear uh, that takes place, I mean, it's just, I just, I've just messed my Achilles tendon up. Mm. And and of course your wife's my doctor and yeah. she's like like and like I'm gonna tell her this but you know like she she told me to stay off it and take because it's gonna tear more and she gave me all the meds and everything and I got feeling really good and so I went out and I started to work harder on it right. and you know that was not a good thing to do uh, I tore it even more and it's gonna take even more time to get better because I was stupid just don't tell her that okay like okay. she doesn't listen she doesn't listen to this show does she she does. I've told her you have to listen to these shows. Ah, oh, yeah. stink! I'm in trouble. But that's the way it is <laughs> relationally. Like I keep, I keep doing dumb things. Like I, I, there's something between my wife and I, and instead of clearing it up, I press it harder. I don't, I don't, um, I don't apologize. I don't do the things that are necessary, and and it blows up in my face. Hmm. And that same with the attitude. I mean, my attitude can really suck sometimes. And so Lori and I can be going along, and and she's you know she's really trying, and and then I just get in a bad attitude someday, and and that really messes things up. And where God wants me to have an attitude of the heart that repairs things, not destroys things. Repairs them. I like that. I like that. You know what? And, and again, it's it's an exposing that's happening here too, right? So whenever bad things are happening, God wants to expose those. You know, so we can learn from it, right? Absolutely. Nice. Uh, well, again, thanks everybody for, for joining us this week. And next week we're going to continue through the, through the message that we have in terms of Hosea chapter 2. Thanks for listening. And remember, don't end your day without a word with God. Here it comes a brand new day But I don't know what will come my way Rise or fall, your love will Like your word directs me to what's right And spurs me on right through the fight With the promise of new life